The Oklahoma City Thunder got beat down by the Denver Nuggets. SGA struggled. Chet Holmgren had a career year scoring the basketball. And Tayson Wallace seems to have the it factor. Why Thunder fans should probably relax after that home opener. We'll talk about it all on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at Prize Picks. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder getting beat down in the Paycom Center by the Denver Nuggets. Why fans should probably relax a little bit after that game against Denver and so much more. Again, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, so go check them out today. And when you do, use code LOCKEDINNBA. By going to pricepicks.com slash LOCKEDINNBA, you're going to get to use the free deposit match up to $100. Have the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. More on that later on. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. We'll hear for you every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Now, what went into this game was huge. The Thunder, you know, they didn't have Jay Will. They didn't have Kenneth Williams. Those were two key misses for the Thunder in this matchup specifically. It's been two key misses all year long, but again, it reared its head against Denver at a high clip. The Nuggets were fully healthy, ready to rock and roll. Both teams came in 2-0. OKC's coming off that thrilling 10-point comeback and two minutes of action against Cleveland. It's the home opener for OKC. You've been kind of teased with this team, right? You go back to last year, drafting Chet Holmgren second overall, and at the time was going to be this franchise-altering prospect. In August, you find out he's not going to play for the entire season, but then you have this surprise run of like a 41 season. And now that the buzz is back, now that the fans are back involved with this team, they start on the road for two straight games. But on the road, they get two, they get a blowout win over Chicago and they get this nail biting, thrilling, just euphoric win in Cleveland. And it all leads up to the home opener, a healthy champ squad in Denver. You get. The Thunder, who are only missing Jay Will and Kenneth Williams. You have SGA versus Jamal Murray. You have Chet versus Jokic. Like, you have it. It's a 2.30 tip-off. You make a day of it. The weather's turned. The crowd was actually there and was ready to erupt, but there was just no point where they could. But that was a good crowd today by the Thunder fan base. And then you get this. Look, the Thunder were absolutely dominated by the Denver Nuggets. The Denver wins this game 128 to 95 and the Thunder uh a rare case where they had to just wave the white flag and just put in Trey Mann and the bench unit and just it's over with in this game. Uh, they typically don't uh, do that a ton. And the Nuggets just thoroughly outplayed OKC. But at the end of the day, it's time to relax a little bit. 
your realistic expectations following Friday's win should not be changed today. The Nuggets are a champ for a reason. And everyone knew, you know, Friday, Saturday, last week, last month, in July, up until now, the, the whole time everyone knew leading into this game an hour before the game tipped off, everyone knew the Thunder were not at that Denver level. They were not at the Nuggets level yet. And so when you when you get blown out by the Nuggets, it shouldn't just shake you to your core. It especially shouldn't shake you to your core when it, when it factors in all of the different things that, that happen in this game. Now, first things first, you have to give credit, credit to Denver. They are one of the few, few, few teams that has the size and the length and the uh, switchability and the defensive style that can really negate and take away those, the, the way that the Thunder exploit defenses. You know, they're aggressive off the pick and roll. So those, so those mismatches that the Thunder try to create off screens, it doesn't really work. There are times where it opens up, and like there was a time in this game where it worked to perfection, and Chet slips and, 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 and they lose him. He's, he's alone in the dunker spot. But the thing is, the Nuggets losing Chet was Aaron Gordon going and, and helping to double-team the ball handler, and you just can't get that pass through. Misha tried to jump it off to Chet. You can't get it through. They're so long and athletic that whenever they blitz the ball handler, it, it basically ends the possession and ends the action. Not many teams can do that. And you factor in Denver shot 60, 40, 84 splits. Whereas OKC shot 41, 18, and 83. The Thunder shot 18% from three. The Thunder came into this game as the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. It's a small sample size. That's not the important part. The important part is it's not as though the Thunder have been winning games and been horrendous from beyond the arc, and it's just been, well, the Bulls aren't very good right now, and it was a random win in Cleveland. Oh, the, the Thunder have been playing really good basketball, and they got met with a buzzsaw in Denver. That's the bottom line. And then you had your superstar, SGA, had one point at the end of the first quarter. OKC was down 11 points at that point, which if you told me before the game, SGA at the end of the first quarter would have one single point having played the whole frame, I would expect the Thunder to be down by much more than 11. So at that moment, it was good. And the Thunder got a little bit of life in the second quarter, a little bit, but then... Denver, the champs that they are, went on a 20-8 to eight run to end the half. And OKC tried everything. They, 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 they had Poku, the first sub off the bench, to try to continue to have what semblance of size they could have. Again, a huge negative not having Jay Will and a huge negative not having Kenny Hustle in this game against this team. But they tried. They, they tried with Poku being the first sub off the bench. you got to give credit, too, to, to Denver. Every time the Thunder got a, a inkling of of respectability, of, you know, momentum, if you want to call it that. Mike Malone called a timeout and then just squandered it all. That's a great coach. That's, that's a great job managing the game. And it's not that Mark didn't manage the game, but when you're playing from so far behind, you're at an extreme disadvantage as a coach in terms of trying to manage a game. Because you just can't keep burning timeouts the whole time, but you also uh, have to maneuver how to let the game play out. Whereas with Mike Malone, you have such a lead that you feel comfortable, even if you call three timeouts in a row, you feel comfortable it's not going to come back to bite you if you can do your job and relay the message and get the guys playing on the right path again. And he did that. And the Nuggets built a 35-point lead. There were two lead changes all night. 
the Thunder are not here. They're not with Denver. We knew that. Even the most optimistic Thunder fan knew that. So tonight doesn't change that. And in fact, a lot of tonight was an anomaly. You can look back at the history of SGA. You'd have to look back years to find a game this bad. To find a game this bad, you'd have to look back years. Denver shot the ball exceptionally well, even by their standards, shooting 40% as a team from beyond the arc. And so when you look at it, it's just not, not that it's not repeatable, because Denver can absolutely repeat this success against OKC. But, but the odds of this specific game happening again are very small. The odds of Denver shooting 40% from three while SGA is having a, a, a career low game since becoming the guy on a franchise, all those things happening all at one time is very low. And independent of Denver and just focusing on the Thunder, there are not many teams that, that match up this well athletically with how to defend OKC style of offense. So yes, they got blown out. It was a bad game. It's disappointing that, that like this was the home opener and 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 you you didn't get to ride that momentum as a fan. But when you look at that first five game stretch, this two and one here is a really good start to the to the five game stretch. And you get the Pistons tomorrow on a back to back, and the the only benefit of getting blown out is you have a back to back tomorrow at home. Uh, first of all, you started out in the day, so you get a couple more hours. Uh, if you want to be literal about counting the little hours until uh, the next game, you get a couple more hours than you typically would. And also you got blown out. So your starters, you know, were taken out about the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter and never saw the light, the light of day again. So, you know, you can, you can try to spin it into, into the best of a positive scenario. And even if you want to be down in the dumps, yeah, they got blown up by Denver. Yeah. They're nowhere close to Denver's level. Uh, is anyone surprised? that this is not a championship quality team. The goal for this team is that the, the, the high end goal is to be among the, the safe six that, that avoid the play in it's to be possibly a top five seat. That's the goal. The goal is not Denver. They're not the litmus test that they are for other teams or that they are for, for, for like say Boston or, or, or a team like that. It's good to know where you stand amongst the champs, but we we, we kind of just had what we already knew affirmed to us. We didn't learn anything new, right? Just as winning this game, even in a blow-up fashion, wouldn't have been some like relevatory, the Thunder are championship-bound type of game. It's disappointing the sequence it happened in. It is. But if this game is buried in the middle of February, nobody thinks twice about it. So just relax. You don't got to worry that the Thunder tricked you in the first two games. Those first two games are more indicative of who this team is than tonight. Tonight was not indicative of who the Thunder are. It was indicative of how good Denver was and how good Denver is. And indicative of what we already knew in the Thunder aren't there yet. They're not at Denver's level yet, and that's perfectly fine. Coming up, we're going to talk about SGA's poor game. We're going to talk about Chet Holmgren and so much more. But today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is great. It is daily fantasy sports made easy. What you do is you pick you know, two to five players and you just look at their projected numbers. That's it. You're not, you're not playing against other people. You're not playing against these sharks that know everything in the world about fantasy sports and how it works and trends and everything else. It's just you open up prize picks, 
pick a couple of players that you like, and you say, huh, will they have more or less than this number? So, for example, tonight against the Pistons, will SGA have more or less than 25 and a half points? And you can combine that with a couple of different things. You can combine that with, you know, just other players in the Pistons Thunder game. You can combine that with other players around the NBA. You can combine that with players in the NFL playing on Monday Night Football tonight. So, like, you can do cross-sport entries. You can do a lot of fun stuff over at Price Picks. And it just makes watching the game uh, a little bit more fun, kind of having more stakes on it. It's a lot of uh, a, a lot of fun for, for you at home. But check it out today, prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Or use code LOCKEDONNBA. Your first deposit matched up to $100. Check it out today. PrizePicks.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Look, SGA struggled. But the Nuggets were playing extremely physical. And... You know, that, that they have the length and size again to, to, to disrupt SGA. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, he should have got to the line more. He should be getting to the line more in general this season. And, and for the first time in a long time, you saw SGA kind of talking with the officials uh, after a play where he got, uh, he, he had like the spinning baseline jumper where he landed on the ground. And so the, the Nuggets pushed off of it. And by the time SGA got up, the ball was literally in the other basket. So there's no point to go down there. So he he stayed back and he talked to the official, uh, kind of threw his arms up a little bit. For Shea, that is such a rare sight. That 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 is, you can count on one hand how many times he does that a year. He's very not only respectful of the officials, but like he just very blocks them out, like blinder view of just not even worrying about it. But when you get two free throws last game and those two free throws were intentional fouls, and when, when you when you get you know four free throws this game, so two trips to the line. But you also lead lead the league in drives by a high margin and are also taking contact. I totally understand the frustration. But at the end of the day, it was not just the physicality of Denver. It was, you know, it was a night where it just wasn't working. And and basketball players, good, bad, ugly, and different, all have nights like this. Shea surprisingly has a, the you know the least amount of nights like this of even among superstars, much less of like normal players. But he even can have a night like this, as we saw tonight against Denver. The baseline jumpers weren't working. The spinning, you know, step backs weren't working. It's just one of those nights. And we have so much data to, to suggest this is a complete outlier that I am by no means even, even concerned or monitoring this. You wake up tomorrow, you forget about it. You go play, you go play Detroit. Seven points, 28 minutes, seven assists, four rebounds to steal. Three for four from the line, 0 for four from three, and only made two field goals all night. Again, bad game. The worst game that Shea's played as a as a main feature of an offense. If if you're going to tell me that he goes on a three year run at a time without having bad games, okay, I'll sign up for that every day of the week. If his next bad game is not until this time next year, let's do it. Let's do it. So I, I can't really be too concerned about Shea. Now Chet Holmgren had a career night scoring the ball, 19 points. Four rebounds, one for four from three, but did get it done inside the arc, shot 58% from the floor in general. He was really confident today. And, and you could see early on that, like, uh, when the game was still kind of close, like, he was he was trying to match Jokic bucket for bucket, um, and, and he kind of had that, that mindset. Uh, I, I thought, speaking of his mindset, what was very interesting is I wrote down in my notes at the game, by the way, 
someone someone uh, in the crowd turned up and looked at the media section and saw me and uh, talked about how they listen every day. Thank you. That really uh, made my night. If you see me at the game, always I'm I'm never too busy to uh, to talk to anyone. But uh, I worked on my notes that like Chet Holmgren, he was doing all the right things defensively. He was in the right position. He was he was getting to the right spots. He was contesting the right shots. He was staying grounded and not falling for a lot of fakes while contesting the shots as best you can. But Jokic is an MVP, and Jokic is this unstoppable force, and it's going to happen. So in my notes before the game even ended, I, I'd already written it off as like, it's just Jokic. But the mindset of Chet Holmgren was after the game, as a as a rookie to step up to that media room uh, and, and say that he has to be better and hammer home that he has to get better defensively and even say to, word for word that you can shrug your shoulders and say that that's an MVP over there, but you have to be better because that's life in the NBA of going against great players. Like even acknowledging that most people will shrug this aside as like, that's just an MVP. What are you going to do? He wants to get better. And it piggybacks off of his press conference um, against Cleveland where he, he highlighted that like, yeah, he had seven blocks in that game. He had zero against Chicago and four rebounds. And he said, that's not his standard that he had to meet his standard in this game against Cleveland. So you're starting to see the mindset and then you've, you've already seen players. This is only his, his third NBA game, but even this offseason, Patrick Beverly and other players were praising like, dude, I've heard Patrick Beverly said he's heard from around the league that like Chet has that attitude and that mentality that will make you successful in this league. That F you mentality as Patrick Beverly put it. And so holding yourself to that standard is good. But me personally, I'm not going to hold him to that standard. I, I mean, I, I can't hold anyone to the standard of shutting down Jokic or shutting down Embiid. If he was doing all the right things, that's good enough for me personally. So I still give him a passing grade defensively. Uh, Jokic was tremendous, but Chet didn't do anything wrong. Like, it's just Jokic. And Chet held up physically. Now, Jokic did say post-game that, uh, that, that Chet should get fatter. Uh, don't, I don't advise that, by the way. Uh, but... Uh, We'll see what we'll see what people run with that about, but uh, I think Chet was was very good in this game. He had the first seven points for OKC, including a personal 5-0 run. He had this great crossover at the slot to get through the lane, get past Jokic. Jokic tried to like swipe at the ball as he got past Jokic, but here's the savviness of Chet. He understood, hey, I just beat him off the dribble. He's going to try this last desperate swipe. So he gathers the ball very low to the ground to where that swipe is null and void. If anything, it would just create contact for a foul, but it does not affect the, the gather or the, the finish, and he finished for a layup. A really good play from him. He also had this like behind-the-back, coast-to-coast move off of a rebound where he flipped it over to Dort in the corner. Sadly, Dort didn't shoot it, but uh, it was still fun to just see a seven-footer going coast-to-coast -coast using a behind-the-back move to free him up in transition and then still make a perfect pass to the corner. Uh, he was initiating a lot of action especially for Joe. Uh, Isaiah Joe is the screener whenever they were trying to steal a two-for-one possession at the end of the third quarter. It didn't work, that possession, but I would want to see that more and more as this season develops. And like I said, he, I think if you go back and watch the tape, Chet, as a roller and, and off of screens, was relocating very well, was rolling and popping well, but Denver took it away. And that's just a hat tip to Denver and you move on because Chet was doing the right things as a process, but the results are not there against the Nuggets. He caught a lob from Shea, did a nice floater, 18 first-half points uh, in 25 minutes. And so 25 minutes on the front end of a back-to-back, -back, uh, and, and for someone who's talking about, you know, trying to snap and clear and play, 
uh, uh, tomorrow. We'll see what happens there against Denver, the first back-to-back of the season. And the first back-to-back, uh, of course, since Chet's injury, where he's playing. So we'll see what they want to do there with, uh, with Chet. So monitor that as well. Now, Casey Wallace. I think Casey Wallace has it. He's just as steady as they come. He's a pro's pro. Jada uh, you know, praised his mentality and demeanor post-game. But just on the court, like forgetting about all that, like off the court, good stuff that he does as like a person and a player. It turns into production. He smothered Jamal Murray's jumper with a block and came down with it. He bodied Christian Brown and forced a pickup on the baseline and disrupted that action, ended the action. Richie Jackson comes driving through the lane and he forces a jump ball. Like the defense is so real. And the, the, the switchability and recovery speed when when switching translated right out of the out of the gates. It, it translated right away. There is no adjustment for him. He's he's there. He's got it. And he's perfect on catch and shoot three so far. On catch and shoot shots all season long, he's perfect. Seven points, three rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block, one foul. Did not miss a shot in this game. Uh, he was really, really good. Coming up, we're going to talk about Lou Dort. going to talk about why did the Thunder not play Davos Bertans? Trey Mann was cooking and more. So a lot to get to. But today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel is great, and it's the perfect time to hop on FanDuel. I'll tell you why that is. First of all, new customers get $100, uh, get $150 in bonus bets for winning any $5 bet. And so if you bet a $5 money line bet, you, you go and get $150 in bonus bets. So you go to Fando.com slash locked on. So that's Fando.com slash locked on. And then you place a $5 bet on the money line and just predict. So money line is just who you think is going to win. So it's, it's, it's the easiest bet to, to, to make because you just got to think who's going to be the winner. And on that bet, win or lose, you get $150 uh, right there if your team wins. So check it out today. So you, you, know, you, you predict who's going to win. So for example... Tonight against the Pistons, you have a very strong feeling the Thunder are going to win. Moneyline bet uh, the Thunder. If you win, you're going to get that match of $150 over there at FanDuel. So check it out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. And why I say it's the best time to hop on FanDuel, as the Thunder are five and a half point favorites in the Paycom Center tomorrow against Detroit. Why I say it's the perfect time right now is because we are in the middle of like a great run of sports where college football is happening. The NFL is happening, NBA is happening, NHL is happening, and the World Series is happening. So every sport you could ever like and want to bet on is happening right now over at FanDuel. So take advantage of this offer at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, you make an account at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You make a money line bet. So in my personal opinion, bet on who you think is a shoe-in, cannot miss win for $5.00. And if they do win, you get 150 back on top of whatever, of course, you win on the bet. So check it out today, Fender.com slash LockedOn. Check it out today at Fender.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. I, I think that Lou Dort deserves credit for playing his role. Uh, it, it, it was not eye-popping in this game necessarily. It was just like him playing under control, not trying to do too much, just shooting corner threes and getting to the rim. 
is good for him. It shows a willingness to adapt and a willingness to adjust. And it looked it looked spectacular in Cleveland. It looked solid against Chicago. It looked solid today against Denver. But with the way this team is constructed, you should just have him look solid. Like that's that's really good. Uh, so so he had to steal a block in this game, a rebound. But, but the biggest thing here for me with Lou Dort is, is he had he had zero like oh no plays like Dort. Dort, what are you doing? He had zero of those plays, and he typically has a lot of those plays, to be quite honest. So this year though, he's cut those plays out, and and if Lou Dort can consistently for the rest of the season cut those plays out, on top of how he plays defense, on top of the fact that since his rookie year. He's never shot below 40% from corner threes. You get a very efficient offensive player for what he provides you defensively. So credit to Lou Dort. So I got asked this question a lot. Why didn't the Thunder go to Davis Bertans? Well, folks, frankly, he's not that good of like, he would not have changed the outcome of this game. Yes, he can make threes. Yes, he can space the floor. But... He can't play defense at all. So at best, you're trading three for threes. And at worst, he's not hitting threes, just as you know your sharp shooter Isaiah Joe right now is not hitting threes. And you can only play him for a certain you know minute load at a time because he's just not able to play and stick on the floor defensively. So at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything. The Thunder have to ensure he's not playing 75% of games that way they can, you know, cut him for a for a five million dollar amount in the offseason. It's kind of like a reverse red shirt. Whereas, like, you don't want to burn this game, like burn one of these seventy five percent of games uh, chances. Because if you play a single minute in a game, it counts as a game in the seventy five percent of games. You you don't want to burn one of those games on a game where he cannot make a difference. Because there will be games where he can make a difference. There'll be tighter games where you're right there, you're right there, but all you need is just one big offensive spark. And that's what he can provide. In this game, you were not an offensive spark away. You were an entirely new ball game away in this game. You were an entirely new night away. This was just not your night. It was one of those games. There will be a game eventually, pretty soon, where the difference is, can I get four minutes from Bertans and he goes three for four, four from three and changes our offense? That was not tonight. If, if Bertans came in for five minutes and went and went three for four from three, you'd be blown out by 15 still, by 20 still, but you'd be blown out still. It wouldn't have mattered. So this up in arms about why not Bertans, it doesn't really matter. He he wouldn't have changed anything. And the last point is, he's also an NBA veteran. Like, sometimes those guys just simply don't want to play in a scenario where they have not been in the game all night. Now that we're getting blown out, you want me to try to go in there and mop up time and see if I can make the score closer, that's beneath veterans that are like Bertans a lot of the times where they just don't want to do it. And so you've got to manage the person too. I'm not saying that that's the case with Bertans, but it's a factor that people are not thinking of as like a possibility. The biggest factor though is you are not a Bertans away. Now there's going to be a night where you're a Bertans away. And if the Thunder don't play Bertans, then I'm all for questioning it. But tonight was not that night where you're a Bertans away. You were a Bertans away from not being embarrassed, but you were not a Bertans away from winning the game. Frankly, the margin of victory doesn't really matter. This isn't the this isn't the uh, old BCS system, right? You're you're going to play uh, with by a table, by a standings, by a win loss record. A loss is a loss, whether it's one point or fifty million points. And, and Bertans just would not have changed this game at all, at all. J Dub had a good game in terms of his strength, where like he just had this and one with two nuggets draped all over him, and it showed that off season work. And because he put so much pressure on the rim and showed so much strength, 
when he was barreling downhill at the rim, the Nuggets rotated over to gear up to embrace him at the rim, and he just snaps off this little pass to Cason Wallace for three in the corner, which was a great visualization of why it's so important for these guys to get going at the rim because it opens things up for other players. Uh, Trey Mann, absolutely cooked. He got eight minutes of, of garbage time, 12 points, four rebounds, an assist, uh, only missed one shot all night. I think it had to be the shooting sleeve. If, if I was advising Trey Mann, I would say keep that shooting sleeve on. But he looked good. Uh, he looked good. Uh, we'll, we'll see if this parlays into anything bigger. I don't think it will, uh, but we'll see if it does. Uh, you know, they play again tonight, so uh, you know we'll see what, what happens tonight. But good for Trey Mann. Like, like independent of like if this means anything, because I'll acknowledge it was all in garbage time. This is a player who's clearly still really loved in that locker room by the players, who's clearly still really engaged with what's happening on and off the floor at the Thunder and is trying to make the best of the situation. And even though it's eight minutes of garbage time to go out and play really well, I, I think still matters for him personally. Uh, whereas, you know the opposite of like, for the people who were still watching that game at the end when they were getting blown out, had he had a bad night in, in the last eight minutes, he would have been another you know kind of punchline of the joke on social media. Whereas right now, there's nothing you can say. You could ignore it, but, but you can't be negative about it. So like good for Trey Mann of like just having a game like that in the in the opportunity he was given. He has not been given uh, opportunity at this point yet, but it's still very young in the season. Uh, Mitchish got some burn. He still has to do a lot of adjusting defensively, but he did have a nice layup uh, where he sealed off MPJ to get a look at the rim. Isaiah Joe, quickly. Um, he, he is struggling to shoot the ball right now. I would refer to you our offseason podcast where we, we spent a whole segment talking about what if Isaiah Joe's a fluke? He's not a fluke. The thing is, shooting's going to go in, in, in ebbs and flows. And I said on that show this offseason, you can go back and listen to it in detail. Last year, Isaiah Joe had had very significant dips for his standard of like where he was at for most of the season. And that's why he leveled off as a shooter uh, to, to around that 40 45% mark and, and teetered around there throughout the year. But he started out so hot that that, that that cold streak was buried beneath like his reputation. Whereas right now he's starting off relatively cold for his standards and you know it's at the forefront. So it's just kind of the reverse of what happened last year. I, I by no means am panicking. I think that Isaiah Joe is a great shooter and will be a great shooter this year and will shoot 40% from three this year. And we've seen him shoot good this season. So like I'm not at all worried about it uh, for OKC. I think it's just like when you get blown up at Denver, everyone's just throwing all the tomatoes out there and, and one of them is going to be a one for four shooting night from your sharpshooter. And it just is what it is. This when Jang had a nice transition Euro step around Jamal Murray. Uh, he, he hesitated on one shot, which I think costed him. I think he would have probably made the shot. Had he not like pump faith and hesitated. He didn't. And I think that that was more so not a lack of aggression. It was more so a lack of reading the coverage of, he thought that the nuggets defender that was defending uh, in the corner was going to slide up to him in the slot. And he didn't initially, but since he pump faked, then he did get to slide up in time. So it's just reading a matter of like he was playing between uh, uh, Jang and another and another player, and he played the in between perfectly because Jang couldn't read it right. So even though it looks like oh there's Jang again on one of his last shots, he was uh, very hesitant. I think it was more so just a lack of reading the defense, which happens to everybody uh, all the time. Uh, it can happen. So I wouldn't let that one play distract from the overall more aggression from Usman Jang. MVP of the game, Chet Holmgren. The Thunder take on the Pistons tonight in the Paycom Center. Hopefully, they get back on track against the Pistons. A long homestand opening up. They're going to be at home from now all the way through the end of next Wednesday. So make sure you check it out 
here on Lockdown Thunder for all the recaps and also daily podcasts here on Lockdown Thunder. But also get out to the Paycom Center. Some fun matchups too. It's not just home games. It's the Pistons tonight, but then the Pelicans Wednesday, the Warriors Friday, the Hawks and Trey Young on Monday, and I believe the Cavs on Wednesday. So a, a lot of fun action coming to the Paycom Center uh, this week. And we're going to have all the coverage for you here on Lockdown Thunder. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.